If you've ever got a student to do something by calling it a game, you might be a teacher. Being a teacher sometimes means finding ways around limitations, problems, or struggles to keep things on track. We learn to improvise and adapt. But when it comes to teaching language arts in our school, we don't have to find workarounds. Loyola Press took the long view when they created Voyages in English, the brilliant K-8 language arts program. The fundamentals of grammar and writing that students learn enable them to become effective writers, which can help improve performance on standardized tests and grow into successful communicators. The flexible framework of Voyages in English is adaptable to any teaching style and any student's abilities. With practice, the mechanics build in complexity over time. It just all works together. Visit voyagesinenglish.com to learn more, then order a sample. With Voyages in English, there are no crazy workarounds, just solid help for today's language arts teachers. Catholic Teachers Lounge with Jill and Colleen. Welcome to the Catholic Teachers Lounge, the only podcast by Catholic school teachers for Catholic school teachers. I'm Colleen and I'm here with Jill and we are grateful to be together again to laugh, explore and connect. Thank you to Loyola Press for sponsoring us and for you, the teachers, for doing what you do every day. Welcome back to day two of Curriculum Mapping Week. We are diving into backward design and curriculum maps and things that um, Jill and I love to talk about and we hope we're going to be able to um, get you excited about these things too. So Jill, where'd we leave off? All right. So yesterday we talked about outcomes and what's the um, what's the end result of the class. You have to have the end in mind. Um, we think about and Mich- I'm going to give this back to Michelle Leah. When you know you're going to go on a vacation, you don't start with like you start with knowing that you're going on vacation, and then everything you do from that decision point to going on the vacation is planning the vacation. So the budget and where you're going to go and how you're going to stay there and booking the flights and doing whatever you're going to do. So it's backward design because we know we're going on vacation. We know that the students are going to get to the end of third grade, but we don't know what we're going to do to get there. So step one is what's the outcome. The outcome is we go on vacation or the outcome is these third graders become fourth graders. The second step is how do we know that they got there? And that is our evidence of learning. So we're talking about how, what do students produce or what do we watch them um, do or say so that we know that they've learned the things they're supposed to learn in third grade and that makes them ready for fourth grade. So, um, So it sounds very official to say, what's our acceptable evidence Mm -hmm. of learning? But in reality, we're talking about rubrics. We're talking about what are our notes as teachers. And it's really fun to have people list out like, what are the current, um, what's the current evidence that your kids are learning in your classroom? So it could be everything they turn in. It could be everything that they say and do. It could be the presentations they give. And then there's all these informal ways, like all of my notes of when I talk to individual kids or when they raise their hand and share something, all of that is evidence of learning. Um, So I have a question for you, Colleen, as we get going on this topic, have you ever, and this could even be right now, because I know you're getting your doctorate, like, have you ever turned in a paper and you're not sure what the grade's going to be? Like you are waiting for a grade and you have no clue. It could be an A, it could be a C. You don't know if you passed or didn't pass. Do you have memories of that? For my whole life, actually. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I remember feeling that way in elementary school, high school. Um, gosh. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, especially now, like in the process that I'm in, I don't know if I'm going to get something kicked back to me and told to redo it, even though I, I do have rubrics to follow, but I'm still just not sure. And maybe, I don't know, that could just be a function of 
personal uncertainty and our students feel that way too. No, so. I think, no, this is, this is a universal uh-huh, feeling and it's uh-huh. not a good no. feeling. Like I think when we, when we make students owners of their own learning, when they know where the expectation is, I think we're sometimes really good at saying like, here's the exemplar. All right, we're gonna do this cool project. It's a science fair. Let me show you some of the science fair projects from last year. Like we're pretty good when it's a big, big project or a paper. Now, what's funny is some teachers are like, oh, but if I show them last year's, they're just gonna copy it. Well, then what's the goal? Like (laughs) they're supposed to be producing evidence of learning. So like, what is the goal? So is it just, they, they shouldn't be doing carbon copies of each other, but like what, what are we trying to teach them? And what should that, products look like is important. So we got to think about what are we grading on and what, you know, does it even have a rubric? Now, I I will be accused at saying of over rubricing and saying everything needs a rubric. But if you don't have a rubric, like how do kids even know what they're reaching for? Um, We're telling them to play the game of school and to get all the points and Mm -hmm. to get the A on the paper. But if we don't explain what that means, then then what are we what are we doing? Like there's a lot of anxiety, undue anxiety of cheering in a paper. I mean, we've all been up late at night or with our own children late at night trying to finish a project with them or coach them through a paper that needed editing. But we're not sure what we're aiming for. And that's very, very frustrating. So when you say acceptable evidence of learning, um, the things that are coming into my mind are... Um, all these flexible, so flexible assessment, of course, is what pops into my head. Cause I, again, it's, it's my universal design lens. So flexible assessment. So what are all the different ways that a student could show you? So it, so it could be a paper like, uh, thinking about my personal experience right now, it's like, okay, well, I can hand in this paper, but then I just have to wait and wait until they write comments on it and give it back to me. Or I could be in a conversation. There is going to come a point I'm going to have to defend and it's going to be a conversation. And if something's unclear, they can just ask me and I can tell them back. Why don't we, we can do that in our classrooms. Why don't we do that in our classrooms? Um, there, there have been ways I've worked with teachers on creating more general rubrics so that a rubric can be applied to not only a paper, but a project or something that is a conversation or so like what, what is the outcome? So we'll use yesterday's word, the outcomes. What is the outcome that you're looking for? There are many different ways to get to that outcome. So if you can make more general rubrics so that you're not creating a rubric for every single assignment either, Mm -hmm. right? No, but you probably need a slightly different rubric for every outcome. For every outcome. So yes. like mm-hmm. if if the goal, yeah. So like if the goal is um, I can pre- like present and defend in, in a, a concept of the Catholic faith, like maybe that's, maybe that's your concept that you're trying to, you're trying to, that's why you're writing the paper. Okay. Or I can write a narrative with a beginning, middle and end, or I can explain the scientific phenomenon of uh, the water cycle. So if it's something big that, that constitutes a project or a paper, then that should be the top of that rubric. Like the whole point of this whole thing that we've been working on for seven or eight days is this giant concept. And here's the criteria. So this is the harder part. What's the criteria to show show that you are proficient. So it's the criteria to show that you're proficient of that outcome or objective or whatever we might want to call this, this learning objective. So it, not everything needs a rubric, but the big ones probably do because, you know, they're working on the life cycle or, you know, um, sorry, the water cycle. Let's say they're working on the water cycle, not once and done. They're working on that probably in first or second grade. And then again, in middle school and again, in high school to some degree. Mm -hmm. So is your high schooler producing second grade work? Like you really have to, this is not the first time that they've seen the, you know, 
the water cycle. So you got to think through like, what is the criteria that goes um, toward proficiency of that um, concept. Now we're not going to master all things in this time together. And I'm already looking at the clock, like we're not going to get to everything, but this is sort of our call to think about how do students know what the criteria is for proficiency on these standards based on yesterday's talk. So day one, what's the outcome? What does success look like? How do I know my third grader goes to fourth grade? The next step. So today's step is what is, what am I, um, able to take in as evidence of learning because that proves that the kid can do these things. And then we're going to go on for tomorrow. Okay. So, so okay. So that's that. Let me, let Tell me, me final thought. Yeah, let me get, let me give mm-hmm. some final thoughts here because uh, again, what we we're talking about curriculum map and curriculum map. Um, at the end of the day, you really want a school-wide curriculum map. Okay. And again, that's not up to each individual teacher to, to do that. That's something to work toward as a school community that you have um, a map that is of the entire curriculum and all of the skills and everything that goes into learning at your school. And this, so you, you were just describing a spiral. So they're going to be introduced to something in second grade. Mm-hmm. They're going to come back to it in fifth grade. They're going to come back to it again in eighth grade. So you're talking about the spiral of, of information. And so at what point are students being introduced? When do they become proficient? When do they master it? And that those are conversations that teachers can have together. Every, every single thing does not have to be mastered at the time it is introduced. So there's something to think about tonight. Okay. So Absolutely. (laughs) We are just about out of time. So um, we're going to leave it right there. And we will come back again tomorrow for one more episode on curriculum mapping. So there's the bell. Thanks for the energy boost as we love exploring your ideas and affirming your efforts. Keep the suggestions coming in. Tune into our next episode as we talk about more great ideas from fellow teachers. We will see you next time. 